0: Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development into products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer, who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host,
1: Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jordana Armstrong, Director of the Social Innovation Hub, also known as SIH, at the University of Calgary. As a director of the SIH, Jordana leads Innovate Calgary's social innovation portfolio. Jordana helps provide strategic direction for researchers and entrepreneurs who seek to use market approaches to achieve impact within the communities they serve. Jordana also leads Innovate Calgary's social entrepreneur programming and spearheads the U Seed Social Impact Fund. Jordana is committed to seeing capital work differently and embraces the principles of radical generosity also known as CEO, and is a member of the local investing YYC CEO activator. Jordana has a BA in political science and economic development from McGill University. And with that impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Jordana. Thank you, Lisa. Good morning. Well, thank you so much again, Jordana, for taking part in the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. And, Jordana, I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Calgary and at the SIH? Yeah, absolutely. Very happy to.
2: Um, and actually, Lisa, much like a couple of other peers I've met in the kind of social innovation space and in tech transfer, a little bit of an atypical background winding up here. So I have a BA from McGill University. I had done some research in my BA uh, through a thesis, um, familiar with the research process, but not, you know, not typically uh, to your PhD um, after university. I really quickly found myself in this space of social enterprise and social innovation. Um, I've always found myself in startups. So um, after university, I wanted to see direct impact, thought I'd find myself in government, um, learned very quickly that that's not uh, always the fastest way to see direct impact, though it can be. Um, and so, yeah, I found myself in startups. I was with a startup think tank uh, founded by the Canadian ambassador to the OECD. Who knew startup think tanks were even a thing? <laughs> um, then I found myself uh, with a startup charity for quite a number of years. Uh, we supported women entrepreneurs in the global south to uh, sell crafts and artisanal products that related to their cultural heritage, um, all about micro businesses and empowering women, and then worked also in the for-profit context with the organization out in New York and a couple of impact investing organizations. So kind of meandered my way, but all of these organizations were always starting something new and so really building from the ground up everything from delivering their product and service through to building out their culture. And May move back to Alberta to be closer to family. I'd been away for quite a few years at that point. Um, And so uh, looked around to see what was happening in sort of the the social innovation space and Innovate Calgary actually, uh, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of the University of Calgary. We'll talk more about that. That's the tech transfer office for the University of Calgary. They were actually looking for someone in social innovation. And at that time, our definitions of social innovation were, were quite different. I joined the office and for the first couple of years, Really felt, oh, they're going to figure out that they hired the wrong person <laughs> uh, because they were looking for someone who had, uh, well, they were hiring someone for social innovation, but they really wanted me to commercialize copyright. And it took me quite a few years to figure out, first of all, what the heck is commercialization in this context? Um, and then and then learning about the foundations of intellectual property From there, I started to really see the merger between what I thought social innovation meant and then the power of universities to be able to be change agents and sort of drive innovation um, that could be solving our most complex social problems. And so that's that's sort of my tech transfer journey. It meanders. um, And I and I didn't wind up there with intention, but glad I did, because I think it's a really impactful space to be in.
1: Yeah, it sounds like an amazing journey, meandering as it might be. And and I think that's a good segue to my next question. For those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the SIH at Innovate Calgary, could you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so the
2: Social Innovation Hub is an innovation center at the University of Calgary. It's a part of a broader strategy uh, related to land adjacent to the University of Calgary called University Innovation Quarters. Really exciting opportunity to reimagine 80 acres of land adjacent to the university into a place that we can live, work, and play around innovation. Um, Co-locating academic researchers, students to live, um, also corporates doing innovation, and then, of course, startups. So the Social Innovation Hub is a home for social innovators on campus to be able to come interact with community, build startups, learn, access programming, and then most importantly, access the broader innovation ecosystem. So something that we learned really quickly is that um, social innovators don't necessarily see themselves in the same spaces that, that most of our uh, researchers in life sciences and, um, uh, software and physical sciences end up finding themselves. They more organically find themselves in the startup spaces, in the innovation ecosystem. And so the social innovation hub is a an umbrella of programming services and support that will help innovators from the university and from community move from that first prototype to first investment. And so I always say that the first prototype to first investment, you can imagine that as the goalposts of the body of work that we execute through the Social Innovation Hub. And the first prototype, that very much is um, from our roots as the tech transfer office. Ideation, there's lots of organizations on campus that do support for ideation. Um, You can do that through courses. You can do that through the Hunter Hub. We've got a pretty robust innovation ecosystem at UCalgary. Um, But the Social Innovation Hub is really about taking that sort of first thing that you have and moving you towards first investment. Once you're able to nail down first investment, either through us or through other partners in the ecosystem, we really hope that at that point you're able to graduate into that broader ecosystem and take advantage of all of the supports that we have available both in Calgary and Alberta.
1: So Jordana, I wanted to ask you what led to the formation of Innovate Calgary and the SIH? And I'm also curious, you mentioned when you were talking about your background that kind of the definition of social innovation has kind of changed over your time there as well. So I'd be curious to know if you could tell us a little bit about that evolution. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, So yeah, a couple things in there. So I kind of already touched on this, but Innovate Calgary is a wholly owned subsidiary of the University of Calgary. We report to the uh, VPR. We really act like a department. Um, so we act kind of like any other tech transfer office. Um, and like most tech transfer offices, uh, formed in a response to the need to understand what do we do with all of this intellectual property that's being generated as a result of our research activities. Um, so, Innovate Calgary's been around since the '80s um, and has done and has been doing work around commercialization since that time. We launched our social innovation portfolio about six or seven years ago, just prior to me joining the team, and. At that point, we were really trying to explore what do we do with all of these non patentable innovations? Uh, So, at the University of Calgary specifically, uh, we do have a required revenue share. We're in an inventor owned IP context, um, but we do have a required revenue share for both patentable innovation and for copyright. And so, as the Tech Transfer Office, we had a bit of an interest in understanding okay, how do we better support folks in this space? But all of our funding, most of our programming, was all targeted towards traditional, um, traditional commercialization efforts. And I say traditional because when I think about what social innovation means, it is in it is inventive. It is creating a new product, process, approach, um, service, program that supports social change in a way that's positive and active. Um, and inventive. So very much like entrepreneurship, you're really applying your resources and your acumen and your skills and your talents in order to create some sort of outcome. Um, where it's different sometimes, sometimes than commercialization can be very similar, is that that outcome might be a policy change. And that's a new space for us. I'm not going to talk too much about that uh, today, Lisa, on the podcast, because we're just venturing into that space. Um But we are looking at supporting researchers to do commercialization and knowledge translation um, towards, as I said, things like policy change. Really proud of a story. I know we'll talk a little bit later about um, success stories, but I'll just share um, lots of social enterprise success stories. Um, But we've also had researchers from the University of Calgary contribute data and evidence that supported a major policy change in Canada to implement a registered disability savings plan. So you think about... Um, your sa- your uh, retirement savings plan in the US, 401k, I believe it's called in Canada, we yep. call them an RRSP. And so uh, we now have a disabilities uh, savings plan that, that supports persons with disabilities to, to save for their retirement. And so a wonderful innovation that also um, was supported by university researchers. Um, and so Uh, I'll park that on definition. The last thing I I just want to maybe I'll add on definition for social innovation. I also like to think about social innovation as both a destination. So that outcome that that new. Invention, that new product, that new approach to working with at risk youth, what have you. Um, it's that destination, but it's also about the journey. And so it's about changing the way that you work uh, to be more inclusive. And that, again, that kind of harkens back to a bit of the purpose of the Social Innovation Hub uh, information. So, yeah, we pulled this we pulled this large program together to basically create a home or a container for all of these different programs and services that we've been running over the past six years, including our UC social impact fund. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it there and we can always follow up on any of those pieces if if you'd like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And And given that your program's been around for six or seven years, as you mentioned, I would imagine that you have some people helping you. So I'm curious if you could tell us about your your team there at SIH.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our team is growing. Uh, we're five right now, according to our website. Six as we have uh, a migrant joining us coming over from California. I'm uh, really excited to have Joanna joining us. Um, our team is dynamic. They're atypical again, atypical hires for the first couple of years. Um, I really tried to find folks who were passionate about intellectual property, interested in getting in the weeds on the negotiations and the contracts, um, but also really understood the space of social innovation and, and the outcomes and objectives of the researchers that we were trying to work with. And I'm telling you, Lisa, that person is a unicorn. So if you ever find her, yeah, hear her, please send them my way. <laughs> um, but... All that being said, you know, just like in a tech transfer office where you have to think about, okay, who are your BD folks um, or more BD minded? uh, You know, is there someone that is going to lead your life sciences portfolio? Is there someone that's going to lead your physical sciences portfolio? Um, You know, we all have to be a jack of all trades in a lot of ways and have our hands in in many different pots and play a little bit of a role. But just thinking about kind of who leads and who follows in, in different types of strengths, um, so we've hired a really dynamic team of folks who have experience in uh, health and wellness, who have experience in inclusion and in EDI, um who have experience in managing and working with funds. Um, and this is all a result of us being able to access external funding um, and philanthropy to really be able to grow the team. Um, So for the first couple of years, it was really just myself and at some points one other person. Um, And then over time, as we built out the social innovation hub and were able to demonstrate to third party funders that there really is something here and exploring, um, able to grow the team and create that kind of Uh, dynamic group that can serve a broader range of researchers with more specific understanding of the areas of impact that they're trying to create. Um, And the last piece I want to share on team is that we've spent a lot of time thinking about how as a team are we going to work differently in order to sort of really live out that vision of what social innovation means in terms of that, that destination and journey that I was talking about. And so We've just kind of solidified our team's core values around courage, create uh, curiosity, creativity, compassionate accountability, um, and connection. And so um, those are really fundamental ways that we imagine working with. The researchers that we serve, the students, the staff at UCalgary, um, but also any of the partners that we engage in programming. And that's another key way that we're able to leverage our own time is working in partnership to deliver many of the programs and services, if not almost all of them um, are actually conducted in partnership. Um, So really excited about the team, um, all leaders in their their own right, um, but really thinking about their functional expertise and, and their body of work and their areas of responsibility um, around some of the key impact areas that we're seeing a lot of action or traction from the researchers and startups that we're working with.
1: Yeah, Jordana, it sounds like a fantastic team. And you mentioned um, or alluded to some programming, and I know you have programming and services that you provide there at the SIH. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about some of the programs and services that you provide for the social enterprises that come out of the university.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Lisa. Thank you. Um, so as I said a little bit earlier, always think about the goalposts, right? So first prototype or first investment. Like any tech transfer office, um, we provide access to the TTO um, or the folks within that. So if you want to explore the, the intellectual property strategy, how to protect it, who to file with, where filing is relevant, whether we file or or you do, um, those are all pieces that we, we cover at that very beginning, um, early prototype we launched a program called Digital Compass in response to an emerging need that we recognized. Increasingly, we're seeing academic researchers use digital technologies as a deployment tool for their research activities, but not necessarily having a lens on what's the long-term sustainability of this if X or Y research outcome is achieved. A common example would be an app to collect patient data Um, and then recognizing, oh, this actually has impacted this user group. Now I need to think about sustainability. Let's go talk to the tech transfer office. Um, So we built Digital Compass, which is sort of acts like an in-house CTO to help a first-time founder or a first-time researcher developing digital technologies understand what's a product roadmap? How do you build it? How do you work with third-party developers? They probably don't have someone in-house. Um, How do you negotiate those types of contracts? What are the risks? All of those pieces. Um, So Digital Compass, uh, one of those earlier programs that help in that research journey. Most of our programming is focused around commercialization and startups. So we run a program uh, through the Social Innovation Hub, but actually through all of our innovation hubs uh, called Venture Backbone, Expert Advisors. These are giving you access to key uh service providers and key industry experts that you might need to talk to expert advisors is incredibly popular we use it a lot um we have a program called catalyze any of you who have seen me speak at autumn have probably heard me talk about this program um we're now evolving it uh to the research to social innovation incubator and we could talk about that in maybe another episode as i said it's more social innovation focused than uh, purely commercialization or startup But Catalyze is a really exciting program. It's really where we got our start, but we hire students through Catalyze to work with academic researchers and community partners who are really trying to figure out, is there something here? You know, I've created something new, but is this really a business opportunity? How do I validate it? I don't have time to do all of the customer discovery. How do I engage a young, uh, really bright person who's interested in practicing entrepreneurship, but might not have that founding idea themselves? Um, And that was really important to us in the social enterprise space um, because we wanted to give students opportunities to work with experts in certain areas. Um, I think it's a little bit risky to, you know, to encourage a student to go solve homelessness in a a weekend at a hackathon. Uh, You know, that's a really complex problem. And so if we could pair them with a researcher who spent their career trying to understand homelessness, that student learns um, but they are also the ones sort of leading that early commercialization till we understand that there's enough here. Um, and maybe it's worth, you know, bringing in a third party CEO or that researcher, um, you know, investing more time and resources in, in getting that started. So, um, Catalyze is what we call a, a youth talent incubator. Um, and then, of course, we also have UC social impact, which is our fund. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that, but um, lots of wraparound services and support to help folks get to that investment readiness point, um, especially for first time founders raising. So lots of coaching um, and time bound programs there as well.
1: Jordan, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that Catalyze program. I'm I'm curious, um, does that run the full academic year? And I'm curious how many students you are able to pair up with uh, researchers in that program?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to dig in. Um, So since inception, we've been running that program for four plus years. Um, We've put just over 60 researcher student pairs together. Um, And we've found we've played over the years with the cohort size, we've gone from like five all the way up to 20. Uh, 20 is too much, I tell you, because it's a pretty hands-on coaching program. Um, we, I think the magic number for a cohort size for me is between sort of eight and 12, um, the way that you kind of pair people up for different components of the programming, um, but then also really manageable for the coach. We have our innovation managers or our IP managers come into that program as coaches. So if you're working with a a researcher already on an IP project, you'll coach that student. And it also gives you good line of sight around how that project is developing. Um, So it's a good way for IP managers to leverage their time a little bit um, and then also provide that like really good kind of custom coaching to the student. We have... Uh, yeah, a whole diversity of types of projects. What's uh, an outcome that we're really proud of with that program is we've been able to work with every faculty on campus wow. through that program. So eight different faculties engaged, um,
1: all you know, social innovation-related projects, whether it's science or social work. It sounds like it's been a really impactful program.
2: It's been very impactful, and the last piece I'll just say, and on that is from a fundraising perspective. Um, it's sort of a win-win. We are looking at exploring really, is there a go, no-go decision at the end of that? So it's not necessarily that good for us at the end of the program is um a commercial output, but good for us is getting to a go/no go decision. So we've maybe saved that that team or that researcher time in exploring, and or we've been able to you know validate that this is something worth putting more time and resources into. Um, and so, from a duration perspective, we used to run it over the summer because we uh, you know primarily work with students, uh, but we found that that was uh, not quite enough time. So we're flipping the model. This year to running it eight months um, on a rolling basis. and um, yeah, really excited to 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 make that pivot. Um, and then rather than the students working full- time, then, of course, the students will be working part time.
1: Yeah, sounds like a fantastic program. So so congratulations for that. And um, you've also mentioned a couple times about funding opportunities, and I wanted to turn back to that. And I was wondering if you could tell us um, some more and provide us some more detail about some of the funding opportunities that are available to the social enterprises in the SIH.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The the big one is USeed Social Impact, which we launched just over a year ago in partnership with the United Way of Calgary and area. Um, since then, we've been able to uh, access some funding from the government of Alberta. So, it's a five million dollar fund. Um, it's venture philanthropy, so it is an investment fund. We provide loans, equity. And then, of course, uh, with our tech transfer routes, have implemented now a loan-based revenue share uh, model that allows that agreement is just a little bit lighter than a traditional loan. It's not collateralized, um, and it allows us to invest in a slightly different risk profile um, within charities and nonprofits than, than we would be uh, using just a loan. And um, Through UC Social Impact, we invest in all different types of social enterprises. So you can be a for-profit, a non-profit, a cooperative. um, And we have those different instruments that I just talked about that allow us uh, to invest in those types of organizations. And again, it's investment. So often folks think about it as a grant. Um, It's not. Uh, We are expecting a return on that capital, hoping for a return on that capital. But because it is venture philanthropy, we are earlier stage. We are high risk. We are expecting to be the first money in. and so we have to balance the, you know, the return of capital uh, with the risk profile. Uh, again, U uh, Calgary um, is is through Innovate Calgary able to invest in these organizations as as it aligns to their charitable mandate of research commercialization, student experience, and community impact. Um, so yeah, really exciting fund. Third party, often a lot of venture funds you see at universities I think tend to be raised from the endowment. Um, Uh, But we were able to see a lot of traction in in our community in Alberta around social enterprise and and the potential outcomes um, that social enterprises can create, both from an impact and from a business perspective. So that's one of the key uh, funding opportunities. And for us, uh, we are really an educational fund. So we're about capacity building as much as we're about putting dollars in. And that's where those wraparound supports that I talked about in the last um, in the last question came uh, come from. So if you're not successful in access and capital, our team will work with you and sort of coach you to try to get you to that place where you are. Of course, with different levels of support, depending on uh, where the venture is at, sometimes we'll do to kind of cohort based programming, uh one-to-one coaching, linking you to external experts and or linking you into existing resources um, within the Alberta ecosystem because there's there's a, a lot of emerging resources uh in our in our uh, community. So so that's all wonderful. Um we don't have dilutive or non-dilutive opportunities ourselves uh beyond our loans. So we don't actually have grants. Um but we do refer folks um two different granting opportunities within the community, whether that's our tri-council and or that's um, foundations and other types of philanthropists. Um, Through the Social Innovation Hub and the fund, we've built a fairly strong strategic relationship with our fund development. Uh, For years and years and years, our tech transfer office has been trying to build a relationship with fund development. But with projects like this, they're able to get philanthropists excited. And if we can help them get philanthropists excited, of course, then they're excited to work with us. So um, the Social Innovation Hub and the fund have been really, um, really pivotal in building those relationships. And then allows me to go to fund development when I have a project to say, I've got this researcher working in a health and wellness space for uh, youth with disabilities in this area. Is there a good foundation that can help provide this seed capital? You know, they're looking to build... Um, a new product that has X outcomes, and if I can get fund development excited around it, that's another pathway for me to sort of support researchers to access capital. So that relationship has been really uh, important and strategic to us. Um, and then last, uh, of course, we do uh, file patents and 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 use our own kind of capital uh, to do that, I'm expecting a uh, hoping to have a return. But of course, uh, always difficult for tech transfer offices to pick the winners. Um, and so. For social enterprises specifically, we launched a repayable micro loan that acts like the investment we would make into filing a patent. It's up to 15K per project. Um, and that is adjudicated uh, very similar to the way that we adjudicate the commercial viability of a patent, plus, we add a little bit of thinking around. Um, how we adjudicate investments in in the UC Social Impact Fund. And so that's a case-by-case basis. The innovation manager or IP manager actually has to come forward and make a case for that loan. So it's not directly applied by the researcher, um, but it acts very much like our patent budget. And that was part of us investing kind of equitably or fairly in these um, non-patentable innovations You know, for decades, we've been we've been investing in in folks um, with our own capital uh, who who file patents. And so we were trying to think about what's the comparable type of investment we could be making.
1: Um, It's a really creative solution.
2: Yeah. And it was back before we had the fund that we launched that. So it was to your point, Lisa, around creativity, you know, just a way for us to try to find opportunities that were already existing.
1: Absolutely. So Giordetta, I wanted to ask you for people who are are listening to you talk about all the social innovation that you're doing there at the SIH, what recommendations do you have for them to be able to encourage the formation of more social enterprises or social innovation at their own institutions?
2: Absolutely. I love this question, Lisa. I really love this question. Um I think first start with curiosity. And what I mean by that is um, showing up to A meeting with a researcher who might have a different set of objectives, uh, maybe, than a a researcher in in chemistry, Um, maybe true, maybe not, but start with curiosity. What is it that you're trying to achieve? You know, who do you want to impact? Where do you see this in 10 years from now? I think those are really key questions that um, any tech transfer professional can have in their back pocket that can help really pull out or help an academic researcher who is interested in social enterprise start to articulate in their own language um where they want to be. And then as the tech transfer professional, we're help we are able to help them sort of illuminate a bit of a, a commercial journey or a pathway. But that language of commercialization, um, you know, startups, it often doesn't land. And so start starting with curiosity, I think is really important because you can hear the language and the intended impact of that, of that Uh, academic partner or that that researcher. And and that allows you to then use their own language and sort of build that pathway alongside them. So I think that's really important. Um, A similar thread to that, but aligning outcomes. Um, So really thinking about what programs or services or opportunities or coaching you might be able to offer towards those objectives. Um, And then the last uh, point I would just say You know, bread and butter, intellectual property is still really core to everything that we do. And so really helping people to identify, you know, what is commercializable within their kind of um, body of work within their research. Um, You know, programs is something that we uh, see a lot, new approaches to working with at-risk youth. So, you know core bread and butter, what's that that intellectual property, what's that opportunity uh, to move forward, whether it's a trade secret, whether it's copyright, whether it's patentable or not. Um, So I would say, yeah, just just remembering what your, your assets are as a team and bringing those forward to academic researchers is really important. Our project management skills, our ability to manage IP, our ability to illuminate that commercial journey, those are all core skills, but we really have to start with, where are they trying to go? And it's often, often, often impact and social enterprises are just a vehicle to help them get there in a financially sustainable way.
1: Well, thank you for sharing those. Those were really great. And, and I want to switch gears a little bit and I'm really excited to ask you this question because I'm I'm excited to hear about some of your social enterprise success stories.
2: Oh gosh, yeah. Where do I start? I mean, there's there's so many of them at various stages. So of course, as the tech transfer office, um, we're we're walking with people at the very beginning of their journey. So, um, one of my favorite success stories, only because the the academic researcher has now come over and joined our team as a mentor and an innovation manager, while still working on bootstrapping her business on the side. Uh, Julia Imanoff, a grad student uh, from the Faculty of Nursing, serial innovator, launched Colo Families, uh, which is a um, a body of work to support families to. Um, educate uh, and bring resources to their their kids. You know, the first time parents know it's a mucky, mucky ecosystem. It, there's a lot of information about being a new parent out there, but where can you go to find evidence-based information and where can you go to access practitioners who can actually support you along that journey? And that's the problem that Cola Families is trying to solve. Um, and then Julia is just like a, a firecracker and has instigated all different types of um, related innovations and has uh, two other companies that she's working on with other academic partners uh, on the side. Um, a story we tell often founded in the 1980s. I like it because it helps illuminate how long the pathway for some of these things might be. But uh, Dr. Richard Ramsey from the Faculty of Social Work founded Living Works, um, and it's a suicide prevention training program. The model is Train the trainer. Um, and they've been able now to scale to eight countries, thousands of people supported, um, that hundreds of thousands of lives saved, um, and it's yeah just really impactful, quite meaningful. Uh, the tech transfer office that that negotiated that contract capped the royalties at the repayment of the UTI investment back. Back then, so hard to say, um, you know what that would have done for our portfolio in terms of good cash flow royalties into the uh, portfolio over time. But uh, key takeaway there, you know, these things have impact in meaningful ways, but they also generate revenue. Um, it, you know, we're not always looking for the same type of hockey stick growth. Um, I, you know, I'm as interested in, in supporting a good kind of sustainable growing company as I am, you know, those those Silicon Valley wins. Um, but yeah, the just really meaningful. Um, Chroma Technologies is an investment in the UC Social Impact Fund that I love to talk about because they came to us. It's an, an app that's solving the problem of the rental experience, in particular for marginalized folks who might be first-time renters, whether they're new immigrants or students or youth Um and so, what Chroma does is makes the renting experience something that's really positive. Allows renters to build credit as they pay their rent, um, which is a really important gap in in Canada in terms of um, how we build um, how we build our credit scores. Um, and when they came to the UC Social Impact Fund, there was clearly impact in the business model. But Miles, the founder, is you know he's a, a a traditional Silicon Valley entrepreneur. He's looking for a large kind of scalable exit. And so we helped move that investment uh, from a finance-first investment to an impact-first investment, asking him to add someone with affordable housing experience to his board, um, then also having uh, him put in place an impact measurement strategy, uh, which is a really difficult thing to do and sort of tease us up to one of the last questions I know that you're going to ask. But um, uh, l- love these opportunities to work with founders who are thinking about impact, but maybe not thinking about impact in everything that they do um, and thinking about really tactical, practical ways to embed more impact into their models.
1: Well, congratulations. I know you have several uh, success stories, but those were, were just some incredible ones. So thank you for, for sharing those. And, you know, with great success also comes challenges. So Jordana, I'm curious what your team's two biggest challenges are. Hmm, yeah. Um,
2: good question, Lisa. I was kind of up last night thinking about what you know, what are those challenges? Um, you know, often folks say capital, and I just want to address this out the gate because as I said, uh, in terms of working with youth, in terms of the blended outcomes from a financial and impact perspective, um We've been able to be quite successful in, in sort of telling this story in the ecosystem and working with third party investors, uh, whether private philanthropists, foundations, um, and as I said, multiple levels of government um, to be able to fund this vision. So I think that's really important for the tech transfer office, um, you know, folks and uh, to think about, the, the, you know, there are pathways to capital to support some of this work. So right now, surprisingly, capital is not our challenge, um, but our challenge is really around impact measurement. So how do we demonstrate quantifiable outcomes related to the types of projects that we're investing in and how do we build the capacity of the entrepreneurs and researchers that we're working with? Actually, I'll emphasize entrepreneurs, uh, researchers often do this well, but um you know, how do we start to quantify impact so that we can both tell the story of the individual investees or entrepreneurs um uh, that we're working with, but then also so that we can aggregate that up to our portfolio and start to tell the story of our own impact. And this is, a, you know, this is a challenge across the board um, um, for for different types of organizations. But I would say, impact measurement, getting really good at that, both for ourselves, but then also uh, for the investees uh, or clients that we're working with, is a, a challenge that we've been noodling on. And happy to reach out to anyone who's listening and who has some ideas in that space. I will share that I think that that's a core value that academia offers uh, as a potential uh, potentiality to um, spaces like impact investing and social entrepreneurship. It's just bringing that rigor around, around measurement. So we are looking at programs that link academic researchers uh, with community partners to help them do that better. Um, but yeah, I would say impact measurement is one. And then the second for us is because social innovation is such a, a broad and sort of uh potentially far-reaching umbrella um we're really starting to refine who we work with and how we adjudicate who we work with um you know one of the key criteria i always use it's really really simple but like the the willingness of the academic partner to put skin in the game whether that's their time their capital um you know access to students you know what if the more work they put in the more work i'm willing to put in but we're now getting to a point where we you know we run a lot of programs. Um, we have a very different process for UC social impact for our fund, of course, but at that early stage, um, we need to get more sophisticated around, you know, who we work with, how they're aligned to the impact that we're trying to create. And so saying no, uh, Lisa, is, is our other challenge and how to say no tactfully.
1: Yeah, I would imagine that that can be a, a difficult task to do. And, and I just did want to go back to your impact measurement because I've, I've heard that from some other tech transfer offices. And I think that would be a really good topic, um, to talk about it and some type of meeting, whether it's an autumn annual meeting or something like that. Cause I, I've heard that struggle, um, challenge from some other tech transfer offices as well. So, Jordana, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about equity, diversity, inclusion, because this is a very important topic that's being discussed all around the world. Um, Does the SIH have any programs to help encourage or assist Indigenous or other traditionally underrepresented entrepreneurs? Really important question, Lisa.
2: Equity, diversity, inclusion is is key. Uh, It's a
1: fundamental
2: uh, pillar of, of all that we do at the Social Innovation Hub, So part of the purpose of standing up the Social Innovation Hub was to really sit with this question of what does inclusive innovation mean and how do we define it and how do we design it? Um, And so we've actually hired a number of folks who have EDI as a kind of core focus in their work historically. Jerome Morgan is one of our senior innovation managers who joined the team recently recently I founded a number of BIPOC-serving organizations um, and just kind of roles in these spaces. Uh, We're also working with mentors. Um, So, University of Calgary has an Indigenous engagement strategy. Because we're in the Canadian context, we actually do distinguish between Indigenous engagement and EDI generally. Um, It's a very specific context in Canada, as it is in the U.S., in terms of uh, Indigenous reconciliation. Uh, And we take that very seriously. But... Uh, engaging with senior leaders at the university who put in place that Indigenous uh, engagement strategy. And we're now working on uh, building long-term, meaningful relationships uh, with various elders within the the Calgary context. We're uh, home to Treaty 7 uh, and Métis Nation 3. And so um, building relationships with elders in these spaces to understand what meaningful engagement means for a tech transfer office. We do have... Uh, The Canadian calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation um, uh, Review. And so we're able to sort of look at which calls to action are related to universities and then what role can the tech transfer office play within that. And so that's something that we're doing as well. Um, We are moving slowly because we want to get this right. Um, So there are, you know, we're working with advisors and we're sort of engaging in meaningful relationship building to be able to get this work right. Um, Then we've also participated in a couple of different um, surveys that have been stood up. One group um, called Kane, the Canadian Accelerator Incubator Network in Canada has an EDI working committee that we've uh, sat on and participated in. So um, just just different ways to sort of upskill from hiring to be able to think about this and really thinking about embedding it in all of our programming, not just offering sort of targeted specific programming. Um, Barring our UC Social Impact Fund does have a uh, specific mandate around uh, women's equity and sort of women's inclusion in, in finance. But we also are looking at how we invest in rural and remote entrepreneurs. How do we invest in uh, BIPOC founders and folks from different uh, cultural back- backgrounds? And so, um, yeah, EDI is a big one, uh, just like the call around maybe having an impact measurement uh, conversation. I think how we do EDI in our programming and services is probably a whole nother uh, topic area um, that we could <laughs> we should bring forward to a number of meetings. And I know that already we have those conversations and meetings, um, uh, but, you know, important conversations to be having.
1: Yeah, definitely. We, c- we continue to need to have those conversations and meetings. Completely agree with you on that. So Jordana, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be?
2: Yeah, another great question. A vision realized. I was I was thinking about this um recently as as we, you know, as what we're doing right now is executing on a vision that um that was created a number of years ago around the social innovation hub and and now uh, kind of ready to deploy the funding and starting to do that Um, we really want to alberta to be a province known for social innovation Uh, the social innovation hub is embedded in a broader ecosystem of actors doing amazing work from other social finance intermediaries through to the local community foundations Um, And and other kind of foundations who are launching social enterprise-specific programming, social innovation-specific programming, um, a few different networks, ABC, ABC Connect, uh, welcome to look these up. Um, But we really want to help be a driver for um, the province of Alberta to really be known for all of this great work and the the social enterprise success stories that we were able to talk about earlier in the conversation. Um, So that's one piece. I I would love for you, Calgary, to be an archetype for how universities are drivers for social innovation. And I think the Tech Transfer Office plays a really critical role in that because social innovation that's researched and published only gets into the hands of so many folks. But social innovation that's utilized and scaled, um, whether that's scaling out or scaling deep within your community, um, that's really impact. And so, Um, I'd really be curious about the University of Calgary being sort of a driver for new ways of working with community to solve complex social problems. Uh, We talked about that at the beginning of this conversation. And then for us ourselves, what the Social Innovation Hub is um, and Innovate Calgary, you know, I really hope we continue to build out our capacity and expertise, um, you know, driving those conversations around impact measurement and inclusive innovation um, I would love for us to be, you know, thought of as kind of a Y Combinator for social enterprise, really a place that um, sets the standard for how to do this work well. Um, I think we're on that pathway and we have a lot of wonderful partners that will help support us along that journey. Um, and then, of course, you know, it, we, we'd be nowhere if it weren't for the amazing founders and folks who are really the ones putting their hats in the ring to do the hard work and uh, and actually investing uh, in these mechanisms.
1: Well, Jordana, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. This has been an absolute pleasure and I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you?
2: I would love to connect with folks on LinkedIn. I'm slow to reply, but it's a great place to have sort of that repository. And I do reply and I do get back. Um, also, Jord- uh, Jay Armstrong at InnovateCalgary.com would be a great place to connect. And you can always... Uh, if you lose track of who I am, but you remember Social Innovation Hub, you can always uh, you know Google Social Innovation Hub, Innovate Calgary, and there's a, a connect with us uh, on that website
1: as well. Well, thank you so much again, Jordana. This has been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Wonderful. Thank you, Lisa. It's been a pleasure and really appreciate these questions. It's been a,
2: a great pleasure for me to think through all of this as well.
0: Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer. And is here to help you get connected get smart and get ahead whether you work in academia research government business development corporate engagement or startups autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education advocacy networking and promotion join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges and align on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.